Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Hands podcast today. We are so excited to have Business Module herself, Shelly North, who is the founder and owner of Glow Beauty Boutique. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. So, you know, definitely we just want to kind of jump into it, Shelly, because you have such an interesting story. It's all around the place. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your first your academic background, how you got into beauty and what was your path to opening Glow Beauty Boutique? So my background was, um, we shared a while ago, is that I always wanted to be in a hairdresser or be in the industry. I thought that, you know, started sweeping floors when I was young, 14, 15 years old, you know, back in the 80s doing the perms and, you know, everybody big hair, um, loved the industry, loved the environment, uh, but had two parents that never went to college. And it wasn't even an option that I wasn't going to college. It was like, that's great. You can cut hair all your life. You can do whatever you want, but you go to college first. And I kind of bucked it for my first two years, took off to Florida, said, well, if you're going to force me to go to college, I'm going to go someplace where I can sit on the beach all day and do my homework. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I got into it. I got into the education and met people and I transferred and I ended up graduating with a business degree uh, from BU in Boston. Uh, And while I was working there, kind of bought all into that whole like late 80s, early 90s mentality of, you know, work hard, play hard, make money, you know, benefits, you know, following the carrot, so to speak, yes. right? Whole corporate culture. Um, but it ended up being soul sucking really quick. Mm. You know, I knew something was missing. I knew that it wasn't necessarily my calling. And, um, you know, after working a couple of years as a research analyst at a consulting firm, um, doing numbers and learning, I went back to school to become an esthetician. Wow. And, um, and I think that, you know, the universe kind of provides, you know, I, I, at the time I didn't know that I wanted to be an esthetician that wasn't as popular as it is today. Waxing wasn't a big thing. Brazilian wasn't even a thing. Mm-hmm. It was dresser, nail technician, massage and the person that does makeup. Right. Yeah. Um, facial, um, but yeah, no. So I, I was on a project at the consulting firm I worked on and it was uh, for lasers, laser hair removal, uh, mm-hmm. photo rejuvenation. So IPL, um, and then also just uh, laser, like the fractals. And I said, wow, this is cool. And it's kind of put me back on my journey and I became an esthetician. So I've been an esthetician a little over 20 years now. And That's I so opened, amazing. I opened Glow 19 years ago in August. And it from a three room shop to, geez, um, seven, seven treatment rooms, three airbrush rooms, 17 employees, yes. day, 200 winner, really honored for that. Best of South Shore. Yes. Uh, a lot of my, you know, original employees are still with me. Um, oh. You know, we've grown together, we've bonded together. They're amazing at what they do. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so amazing. And I, and I, and I love that. Like, you know, you're such a success story, you know, you're, cause you know, 
one who understands personalities, you can tell just from talking to you, you're an analytical, straight shooter to the point type of woman. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like just so cool. And, you know, I kind of want to speak about calling a little bit more for you. So I know you said that you felt in your heart that what you weren't doing wasn't aligned with your calling. So when you kind of like, how do you find out what your calling is? What are the feelings that you experience when you know something's your calling? Like, what do you feel the difference is between that and maybe you're, you're doing a good job in a nine to five? Um, you know, I think for everybody, it's different. I think some people it's that like Tony Robbins passion in your soul, you know, can't wait to wake up, you know, you're living it and breathing it. And there's nothing that's going to stop you from succeeding. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do think I had a little bit of that because I think I have a little bit of the, I'm going to prove you wrong that I am going to make it. And I am going to have health insurance and I am going to have a 401k and I am going to pay my employees that and benefits and, and vacation pay and myself mm -hmm. that. Because I came from people in, you know, two very mainstream occupations. You know, my dad worked for the telephone company for 35 years. My mom was, a, you know, a, a visiting nurse. So mm -hmm. in their mind, those are the things that, you know, security and success, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted all those things, right? I know I needed all those things to survive and have those um, freedoms that companies allow you to have, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was the, one of the drives for me was I'm going to prove to myself and to um, my family that I can create an environment in which I can be financially successful, independent, and have all the things that a big company could do for me, but do I love. So that was wow. really. And that's so amazing. And, you know, with your 17 employees, you know, having a lot of them even being originals, that's a testament to your leadership in itself. And I got to tell you a story. There was, there was a woman that I talked to yesterday. She actually left the med spa industry. She was rejecting mm -hmm. for years and she's in her forties now. And she said, everywhere I worked, they did not have any benefits for me. So one day I woke up and I was almost 40 and I felt like the most successful, unsuccessful person. I think, I know we were just talking a little bit about the profit first a few minutes ago. Yeah. And I a lot of what happens is, is that, and I talk to a lot of local schools, you know, around our area, it's like Catherine Hines or Elizabeth Grady, or, um, you know, Love Heart Beauty or Stone Heart Education, Continuing Education. Mm -hmm. And I always say, um, and I've even talked to like the, uh, um, the conferences and said, I would love, it's people thinking more business-like in our industry now. That's not intuitive. You know, we get the creative mind mm -hmm. and then we have the mind. And I just happen to be blessed with both, right? Because- you know, I've always learned about financial security because I grew up in financial insecurity. So it was mm. um, on my mind that I wanted to make sure that when I did grow up that I would have those things for myself, right? So I always had what I needed, right? My parents were amazing like that, but not the extras, right? Um, and so I knew that I needed these certain things. So I needed to have that in my life. So I created that right when I started, right? Like, to have health insurance i need to have a retirement plan and then when you say you need this when you get a hundred dollars right so mm -hmm. say whatever it's a treatment and you charge a hundred dollars you say okay well ten percent of that right away is going in like we talked about ten percent is definitely going to go to me yes so right then x amount is going to go to the overhead okay then x amount is going to go into a savings account because you need a savings account 
-hmm. and then X amount is going to go for that tax, right? Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you have what you have left and that's your profit, right? And that's, you know, um, and when you start thinking about it that way and you're constantly either thinking about every day. So some people tally out at the end of the day and say, oh, I had, say you medical, your um, injector, she might've had a $5,000 day, right? Mm -hmm. So if every day at the end of the day, you just kind of say, okay, this is going here, this is going here, this is going here, this is going here. Mm -hmm. Then you know if that $5,000 a day is enough for you. Yes. Is it covering your overhead? Is it covering utilities? Is it giving you a little bit of money for retirement? Is it giving you a savings? Is it giving you a good wage? Because mm-hmm. it's charging enough, right? And then you have to figure out what it is per hour that you need to charge to get you all those things and a savings. Because if not, you just have a hobby. <laughs> yes, exactly. You have a hobby and you don't have a business. And, you know, you you've been able to, you know, you've been able to give benefits to your employees so that they yeah. stay committed to what you're doing. Yeah. My next thing is too, that I'm working on and it's not my model is not unique. I call it the Amazon model. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amazon, um, which obviously is a huge company, they ne- I don't know if read Jeff Bezos book, but he doesn't believe in paying a ton of money, right? You cap off. It doesn't matter if you're the CEO, COO, it doesn't matter. You cap off at a certain pay. The way he bonuses people or gives people more money is in stock because we all know Mm -hmm. him worth a lot, right? But the reason why people stay in a committed is because they have the stock where you're vested one year, right? You get the money, Mm -hmm. but you can't take any money out for three years. Mm -hmm. So that's Leave the money in your account, but you can't touch it and it's not yours. And you're not fully vested until five years. Now, I've never done this with my people um, because I, I didn't either have the extra money or I hadn't figured it out. But I'm in the process right now of figuring out how to create this, what I'm calling in addition to the 401k, like a little pension plan, right? Yes. So with me year one, you're going to get this much. And then I'm going to invest this much in year two. And I'm going to invest this much in year three. And at year three, you're vested, but you only get. of it. But at the end of five, you're invested 100% and you can either take it and leave, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can take it and keep it there. And it's 100% your money. You can take it out anytime you want Mm -hmm. and then don't get invested. So, you know, you find out how much money you get. And I'm not talking about thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it can be a significant amount of money when someone's been with you for a while and it gives them an extra reason to feel like they're participating in the growth of the business and themselves. Yeah. And, and I find it so interesting that you talk about that because, you know, even in my line of work in, in finance, you know, we do something for businesses where we call it the executive bonus. And it's pretty much what you said. It's a certain predetermined amount that you can, you can discriminate for certain employees if you want to. And, you know, basically it creates a fund for them and you can put legal stipulations on them where they have to vest before they can touch any of the profits that are inside of that account. So that is something that's so amazing that you're doing for your employees to kind of, kind of keep them. Uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word? Help me out. What's the loyal. word? Keep them loyal and keep them feeling like, cause let's face it, this industry has been set up for all of us to chase the carrot, right? So mm-hmm. years ago you'd pay 50, 50, right? And you pay 50, 50 because um, you know, you'd want to pay them the most you can because you weren't paying health insurance and you weren't paying for uh, 401ks and you weren't paying for sick time. Well, everything in the world has changed since then, including, oh, yeah. yeah, including, excuse me, what 
you know, the, the shop is bringing, because sure, you give a hundred, you know, hundred percent of 50% per person, but then the shop gets 50%, but we are taking out the overhead. We are taking out the front desk staff. We are taking out the, you know, um, the health insurance now. So that the shop ends up or the owner ends up with so much less of that 50% now, it just doesn't yeah. even make sense. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But people that have been in this industry, like myself for all these years, I'm motivated by that. <laughs> yes right? I'm motivated by that. So I don't want to be an hourly. You know, I do have some people coming up now that would rather be hourly plus um, tips mm-hmm. in their mind, then they can, you know, live their life and figure out how much they're going to make per hour. Mm-hmm. And they fact that when you go get a car loan, hourly, you know, or a W-2 looks better, or you go, you know, you're in finance, you go and get your, your house. People are like, oh, you make commission. Oh, you don't have established commission long enough at a place of employment. You know, they almost want you to be an hourly. Yeah. It's a system, but let's not talk you know, the system, but that's yeah. another conversation for another day. The system. That's just, yeah, that whole system. Um, so I guess um, where I was going with that is that if you know how much you are worth per hour and you know how much it costs to run your business, there's little ways that you can skim to incentivize people. Now, they're not going to just get it because they're here and they're loyal. I mean, I do one-on-ones monthly and everybody has their goals and, and certain things they have to do, right? Mm-hmm. What was your pre-booking rate? What was your um, retention rates? What was your retail rate? Did you hit your service goals? Uh, what was your retail to service um, percentage? And, you know, I have a certain amount that you have to hit in the 12 months, not even consecutively. You just have to hit those, po- you know, those benchmarks. Yes. So 12 months to even be eligible for that. So that's kind of what we're focusing on right now. That's so cool. I love that. Cause you just think about things, like I said, in such an analytic way and like a business owner, and it's not just like, Oh, I feel good about this person. So I'm giving them this when I feel like it, you know, because right. I've seen people all their only incentives for their employees is like, you know, you get some Botox or this or that, but they have nothing that's going to, or they say, Oh, my employees, their husband um, has benefits. So they're okay. And it's like, but you know, we both know me being a divorcee myself, that sometimes the husbands aren't always there. Then what? Right. <laughs> what, do so, they, what? What do they have at the end? They don't have anything that's their own. Exactly. And, you know, being, you know, you're a big empower of women and you can see it in your staff, but that's something that we need to continue to teach. Like you need to have your own. Yeah. And financial empowerment. Like, you know, oh. I, you know, some people are open to it, right? Some people are very open about talking about money. I'm open mm-hmm. talking money all the time yeah. i'm probably closed about personal because you know every i'm kind of like oh money you know my everybody mind their own business right yeah well our employees and i know what they're making right yeah. and i want to buy a house or buy a car or they have a baby on the way and they're gonna have to pay for daycare and they've never paid for daycare i always say listen the door is always open i'm not going to force what i know down your throat mm-hmm. because not, not everybody wants to hear it you know, you, you get the know-it-alls, you got the get out of my, you know, stay out of my business. Some people are just closed off, right? Like scared. And then other people, which I find about 80%, are really like, yeah, I, I want to learn every lesson I can before I make a mistake. Yeah. So I don't have that learning curve. And that's the beauty when you have a bunch of women that are kind of thinking the same, they can help one another, mm. you know, from like, you know, student loans. I mean, we all know student loans, they stink. 
-hmm. you know, you have somebody who already figured out, okay, well, if you go and get a personal loan and you get rid of your private loans first, and then you can consolidate, you know, if you have someone that can help you, you go from a $900 payment, what do they say now in the United States, the average monthly payment for a new grad is like something like $500, $600. Yeah, it's really up there. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a you know, never mind wanting to save her house or, you know, get that apartment with your two or three girlfriends because you're new, you know, young 20s and mm-hmm. you have a car. And, you know, that's, that's it's a lot. And, and that's why, you know, even when I work with clients, you know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes we'll be making a lot of money, but what they'll do, they'll, they'll put so much things on credit and then they'll mount up so much credit card debt. And then they're like, oh, wow, you know, I wasn't thinking of that this, uh, you know, this promotional rate would be over. Now I'm paying 24% or 25% on these cards. And it's like, you can never catch up. And then you get also the system, you get into the hamster wheel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you and I speak the same language. I was all those companies and you say, what promotion do you have now? And how can I stay with you? Because if not, I'm leaving. And the zero interest credit cards, that's one of the number one things I say to my girls. Listen, but if you're going to get one of those things at month six, you need to be looking for your next zero interest credit card to then put it on mm-hmm. because if all that work you just did means nothing. Cause you're going to get hit with one or two months at that 24% rate and all the money you save from six months is gone. Exactly. And, and that's such a great thing that you, you know, you empower your woman with financial education, you know, so not only are you there like, you know, their boss, but you're also kind of like, they're also, it sounds like you're kind of like their coach, like you're kind of helping them be better woman. And that's what leadership is. Like the people around you become better because you are in their life. I mean, yeah. I mean, I like glow to be the best place. I don't ever want glow to be a place when someone wakes up and says, I have to go to work today. I'm not saying people don't do that just because they're burnt. I life is happening. Okay. Yeah. But I strive for that. I create an environment in which they're working with people servicing people or contributing to the community in a way that makes them feel good and, and fills their cup and energizes them mm-hmm. and everybody else around them so mm-hmm. that they don't and when we go back to like how did I um you know get my purpose how do you feel your purpose I think purpose or something that you truly enjoy is something that when you wake up in the morning it's not a chore it's not a chore. You're enjoying walking through the door. You're enjoying what you do. And again, every day is in rainbows, unicorns, and sunshine. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the time, there's not that tug. There's not that Sunday night, Monday night anxiety of, oh my God, I have to go to work tomorrow. And I mean, I think we've all had jobs like that before. We're like, mm-hmm. we're all night, right? Like thinking, oh, I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. And and you don't even want to go in. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I, there's nothing, there's no flow. It's just a drain. Let mm-hmm. it be the people with, let it be the, the tasks you're performing. Let it be the commute that you're doing. There's something about it. That's, that's that soul sucking, that drain. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling that to me, that's what I was feeling. And I knew that in my heart of hearts, I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Wow. And, 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 you know, just for everyone listening, you know, I don't know if you've read this book, Shelly, but there's this book. I don't, it's called by Vicki Robin. It's called Your Money or Your Life. I'm not sure if you've ever read that book. Have you? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're past that stage because you've already worked out all this stuff, you know, within yourself, but like your money or your life, it really 
talks about, you know, that soul sucking. So say, for example, you're a person making $120,000 a year. However, your commute's two hours each way. You're in traffic. The people you work with are disgusting. You hate everything that you have to do at work. And you come home, you're drained. You can't even, what's the point? What's the point? So they talk about, you know, the time energy of your money. So it's like, yeah, you're making $120,000 a year. But since you're cheating at work because you don't really want to be there, guess what? And you're taking away from family, your health, you might only be making 60. Right. It's not worth it. You could with less, right? Yeah. Your vibration, the things you're going to call towards you, right? Mm -hmm. Just because, I don't want to sound hocus pocus here, but it's true. If you have good energy when you walk in someplace and you feel good about where you are in life, opportunities and synchronicities and networking and people are magnetized to, to you, right? 100%. And if aligned or in that place of being and listening, then you basically repel everything. And the mirror that you're putting in front of you, you're mirroring back mm-hmm. negative, bad health, stressful situations, everything, because that's just, you know, the, the human cycle. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, and I, and I really appreciate that. And I really love how this is like going because, you know, it's not, it's like your story and then what you actually have done and, you know, the things that you continue to do to make yourself successful. So like for you, I know you said not every day is is like bed of roses and not every day is not, is great, but what do you do on a consistent basis to kind of continue with your discipline to stay motivated? What are some of the disciplines that you have that just keep you in line, keep you grounded. Education, education, education. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, everybody call, does that term lifelong learner. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can be a lifelong learner. I, I just love it. I mean, I love learning new things. Um, you know, I found a, a consulting firm years ago called Strategies. This a man named Neil uh, Dupoff owns it. He's amazing. He's down in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that group really has it down. Um, and I remember I'd come back from like those weekend seminars and then, you know, they'd have these really nice hotels and, you know, there's a Starbucks on the way and they'd always have a great breakfast and breakout meetings and you meet people from the industry from all over the country. And you'd have these people saying stuff in front of you and you're just like an empty channel, right? You're like, oh my God, tell me more and more and more because the less mistakes you make, the less money it costs you. And also the more you can bring back to your team. And I'll remember like, I'd come back and everybody was scrambled. They're like, oh, she's coming back. She's coming back. She's going to put all this information in our heads and our heads are going to explode and she's going to change everything and she's going to learn this and she's going to learn that. So I learned pretty quickly that I'd go and I'd just come back with like, oh my God, it was amazing because otherwise it overwhelmed them, right? (laughs) Yeah. Because there's a difference. Like some people love what they do, but they don't need to know what I know, what you know, you know, what wakes them up and gets them excited is totally different. You know, me creating a cash flow forecast and planning for the whole year every single October would make someone vomit or, you know, um, get so anxiety provoked, even looking at the numbers. For me, it's in my calendar every year with my team leader and my manager. Like we go to a hotel, we take two good meals and like I have a whole projection sheet. Like, you know, we have this whole thing follows like that gets me excited because then I know where I'm because a leader has a 30,000 foot, you know, viewpoint. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's just who it is. And then you get people that work for you that you empower and encourage and get education for and what they're passionate about, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I, I the, the leadership at the thirty thousand feet view, foot view rather. Some how so? What would be your recommendation for med spa owners to really get into that role of leadership so they can have that thirty thousand foot view? Because so many med spa owners that I meet, even if they're successful financially, are not able to get to that spot where they see everything from the top. They're still kind of in it. Um, you know, I think I mentioned it before. So I have a friend that, um, again, you know, another practice, again, education, right. And uh, always says, do you want to be the manager of your chair or your room? Or do you want to be the manager of your business? And that could be anybody who's just a solo practitioner, just someone who has, you know, franchises, right? So if your business relies just on you and that's okay, if it relies just on you, but if you're just managing what's coming in the door, right, and what's in front of you, and you're not giving yourself the freedom and the time to look and see where you're going or make those goals to see where you're going, then you're just managing a chair. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah. Managing a chair. That's me the name of this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to take it back from med spas like hair salons. A lot of owners of hair salons are still behind the chair three, four, five days a week, right? booked all day, eight to 10 hours a day on their feet. Maybe they work Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever. And the, the salon itself still relies upon them being the master stylist or the master esthetician or whoever to then put money into the business to keep the business going, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, because of my story, unfortunately, you know, um, as you know, I had an accident, so I've been immobile for three and, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I got breast cancer. So I was out of the rooms for a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, it was a big wake up call that I had a, had a business that had systems and had created a whole cash flow without me involved at all mm -hmm. that it can keep on going. And that's a business, yes. right? Yes. Wow. That, 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 that's, that's excellent advice. And, you know, the, the next question get back. I, I love what I do and I can't wait back, get back to my clients, but I only see clients about 12 to 14 hours a week. Nice. That's it. And it's scheduled and that's what it is. And because if I give more than that, then it overflows either. I'm not doing a good job managing, or I'm not doing a good job on the marketing, or I'm not doing a good job at home, but it allows me those hours to do something that I'm still passionate. And I love that got me into this business, mm -hmm. but it doesn't rely on me for my business. Exactly. You're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Big difference. Yes. Big difference. Big difference. So, you know, we, 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 so my, I have just a couple more questions for you. So yeah. we, you've had a lot of success. So, so tell me about some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome while building your, your, your business and how you overcame them. Um. So for me, because even though I am a lot of business, I'm, I'm very much an empath. Like I'm a feeler, like I can feel when something's off, you know, some people are like that, like, Oh, just something feels off. Um, I hate losing people because the people that work for me, because I feel, especially at the beginning, because they're so part of the way you built your business and they know everything and you don't even think you could function without them. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the hurdles was to say, business is business and personal is personal. Mm. And, you know, just because they leave doesn't mean they leave me. 
than just leaving to do something outside the business, right? So yeah. I guess it's, which is a hard lesson to learn, especially when you care and like the people, right? Mm-hmm. Like you feel like you failed them somehow, or you didn't create an environment that kept them there, or they failed you somehow and they disappointed you, right? So that that was a hard lesson for me. The people lesson for me is probably the hardest. Um, you know, I probably made one or two bad investments in either equipment. I think it was, um, was it? Oh, it before microblading, um, it was that, um, like almost like that brow hennering. I don't know if you ever saw it where like yeah. you, you know, it looked like a needle and you'd like put it in and then you stain. So it was a me- mixture of like strokes and whatever. And it was a super expensive class. I think the woman came from London. It was like $500 a head. It was supposed to be the next best thing. Mm-hmm. It was a big investment, the kits, everything. I think all in, you know, I mean, it's not like a laser for a med spa, right? But all in for a salon service, it was a complete dud. I mean, I think Michael Blake came out not even a year later. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why that? You know what I mean? Everybody does that. Um, I think my first IPL machine, um, I, you know, I didn't go with my gut. You know, mm-hmm. I should have um, the sharp light. I should have went with a different one. And I kind of somehow got suckered into this one in particular machine, which was newer to the market. And um, I used it. And I was like, oh, yeah, like it works the same. I mean, I couldn't wait to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. know, special, some emotional um, taxes, mm. saving for your taxes. And even if you think you were paying your quarterly payments um, correctly, sometimes that doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one or two years, um, I underpaid and was like, how the heck did I do that? Big, big win right that's why I love profit first because one of the accounts every single week you automatically take a set amount and it goes to that account automatically set it and forget it set it and forget it mm-hmm. so that the quarter the money's already there you don't have to think about it and you and your CPA or bookkeeper have already said what that number is going to be for the year so for every you already know yeah and, and, yeah. and that's so excellent yeah I think that the prep stuff like that, that, that those lessons make you either research more, um, figure out a way how to protect yourself or figure out a different way of managing and also financially protect yourself. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, those situations, they can either, like you said, have you learned something or you can sink from them. And, you know, so my, my, my last question for you is, for those who want to do what you have done and, and start their own business in the beauty field, you know, in a med spa or like you did, you started, you know, more on the aesthetic side and then you did go into the Botox and fillers by outsourcing and things. But what would be your biggest word of advice for a woman who wants to branch out from working for somebody else to now going into beauty full time like this? Um, I would say play make believe before it happens in the sense of, you know, start researching your area and figure out truly what is your rent? What are your utilities? If you're going to do an initial order, what was all your background going to cost you? And and you call these reps and, and act just like you already happening. So maybe it's not going to happen for six months to a year, but if you know what product line it is, um, how many rooms you're going to have, um, you know, how much is your table paper going to cost? How much is your first order of all of your linens going to cost? How much is you know, if you're in a city and you can't bring home or get a washer and dryer, how much is laundry service going to cost you? 
Um, are you going to have online booking? You can have reception. So literally play make-believe from nuts to bolts, right? Yes. And if you're going to be yourself or you bring in two or three people with you, how much are you going to pay them, right? Um, because if you're going to be in business, I can tell you right now, paying them 50% and offering them everything isn't going to happen. You have to find some sort of balance, right? Mm-hmm. And once you do that, then you can figure out initially how much you think you have to charge per hour to make a profit then you price accordingly nice that is such excellent being it lately there is a trend now towards hairdressers and places instead of saying oh a balayage is this a full foil is this they they're realizing now probably through consulting firms and i've been doing this because of strategies probably for 10 years Mm -hmm. you have an hourly rate that you have to charge not to survive, not to pay your bills, but to actually pay yourself, have benefits, have a pension, like have a retirement plan, pay your staff and have a savings, right? All those accounts. And once you play make-believe and you get all those numbers, you have to realize, okay, do I need a personal loan? Can I do it on a zero interest credit card? How many clients am I going to take with me? And I can tell you right now, even if you move across the street from the salon you're at, which I don't suggest because I don't find that right. You're going to lose 10%. So mm-hmm. if you go every, you know, you do your research so many miles, you probably, if you go to the next town or, you know, eight to 10 miles down the road, expects 40% of the people to come with you. And then you have to do a little bit, you know, get your Instagram game on your social media, the whole bit, but you have to think, can I afford it? Plus pay all my bills. Plus give myself a little money the first three years until I get on my feet. Yeah. That, that's such excellent advice. Yeah. That's, we're quoting that one. <laughs> well, in our industry, and all of a sudden, it's like, boom, like I don't know what it, you know. It, it's it's technically one, but let's face it. I mean, you playing make believe is a lot more fun. It how is. much? Is, how much is the sink going to cost? Oh, I like those cabinets. How much are those going to cost? Because we're visual people. So if we're visualizing our room, you have to visualize everything. What's the mirror going to cost? What's the laser going to cost? How much is my insurance um, for the medical director going to cost? How much is my uh, medical director contract going to cost? Because I can tell you right now around here, it's minimum 500 to 1,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You know, but all the companies, they, they have all the information. The insurance company wants your business, right? The yeah. doctor's business. So you play make-believe, you get all this number, you look at the number at the bottom and you start saving towards it. Mm-hmm. And you figure it out. Exactly. That's so great. Shelly, thank you so much. And tell us, where can we find you? <laughs> I said they have to pay themselves. Don't figure it out so that you're at a loss, right? And that you can't, you pay yourself and pay taxes and do it all right. And you'll be good. <laughs> exactly. You definitely don't want to steal from the man because the man's going to get you. <laughs> uh, tell you that. They'll, they'll definitely find you. Exactly. So tell us, where can we find you guys on social media and your website? So the website is glowbeautyb, B as in boy.com. So Glow Beauty Boutique. And then um, it's the same thing for Instagram with an underscore. We're obviously really big on stories. The posts are less, um, but we do list all the estheticians so you can see their work. Um, Those are probably the two biggest places where we, you know, talk about glow. That's so awesome. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for all your words of wisdom and everything. This is like a really resourceful episode. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
Like what you heard? Please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening. <laughs>